The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and we are joined by the biggest Vanessa Van Cleef fan in the world, Zach O. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? You're going to mislead people about that part, Hat. I'm a fan of the character, not the card. Okay, that counts. But yeah, well... I imagine you will have an impassioned response to the card design. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. BlizzCon happened and we have a lot of information. So, listeners, just to give you a heads up as to what's going on. Um, the, there will be a report on Sunday the 28th that's, that's going to be published because of the most recent nerf patch, which we will talk about at the very end of this episode, but it is nowhere near the most important stuff we're covering. Uh, so this podcast, you should be hearing it on Monday the 22nd. You'll get the next report on the 28th. We'll have another podcast next Tuesday the 2nd that will cover both the report and the fully revealed core set. So the core set's going to be revealed Thursday the 25th. We're not going to go over the entire core set. Uh, we have other plans for that, but we're going to discuss the core set after upon. Oh, yeah. We're not doing 200, 200 card by card. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that on the podcast, guys. But yeah, but expect something about that. We also lied to you in the last podcast. We said that uh, we would have a report uh, podcast uh, on the 20th, but we decided to delay it because we wanted to talk about the uh, new announcement sooner, and it ended up uh, being a very good move because of the nerf uh, to Alora, which basically kind of uh, made uh, discussing the last report uh, a little bit pointless. So we actually have a really interesting podcast. And Hat, honestly, I have no idea how we're going to finish everything, so let's just start. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk for a while. I will say we yeah. it, what we said at the time was true, so was it really a lie? It wasn't. It was just a. It was a. It was a truthful statement that we ended up changing for the betterment of the website content because it ended up paying off. Yes, and I had the feeling had I had this weird feeling that we should delay it. You also had this feeling and, that uh, you were bored with standard, and and so we chilled. Don't, don't tell them to have. They need to, to think that uh, it was just a five head move. It can be both. It was both a five-head move and a three-head move. Yes. On average, it was a four-head move. That is how math works. So that's acceptable. All right. Yeah. So Year of the Griffin is coming, and we are not going to talk about the expansion first. No, no, no. We're talking about the new core set because this is going to be one of the largest and weirdest changes to, to standard Hearthstone maybe ever uh, outside of the creation of the format because there are, before we even get into the cards... We've had a bunch of, there have been a bunch of interviews that have come out in text. There have been a bunch of group interviews that people have talked about. Uh, I was in one of them. And there are some larger scale class design philosophies here and, and general design philosophies. I think the most important one, the one I want, want to talk about first, that's come up a few times. More card draw and less discover. That in places where you used to see discover a card, you may see draw a card now. Uh, and that... The class identity blog was specifically referenced in an interview I was in with Ben Lee and Nathan Lyon-Smith as something that in they're moving away from that every class needs to draw cards because they're a card game. 
So you should see a little bit more of that. Uh, they they reference how Demon Hunter taught them when a class is more deterministic, when you know exactly what you have to deal with, even if it's a little too good, it can be nice to know what you're facing in each game in a consistent, reliable way. So they're going to try and lean back into that. Before I go any further, Zach, I am certain you have thoughts. I mean, hallelujah. Right? We realized what we wanted them to realize for a long time, that card games, decks need to be able to draw cards, or you will be uh, basically pigeonholing classes into becoming either aggro or midrange. That's what happens when a class doesn't have card draw. Uh, or if it has mass generation in order to make up for the fact that the, it doesn't have card draw, it's obnoxious. So it's, it's a very good move. Uh, card draw should be something that every class has access to. I've been banging about this uh, in previous podcasts multiple times, and I'm very happy that they're moving in this direction. This will really help diversify classes. The, the only drawback of card draw is that you're more likely to see uh, consistent decks. This can be a drawback because you might be running into the same experiences more often. But I think that the Demon Hunter class did give them the understanding, uh, like the experimentation that was required of them seeing, hey, this is what happens when the class does have card draw. Hey, this isn't obnoxious. This is actually okay uh, as long as the cards that you face are not obnoxious, right? So I think this is a very, very important step. I think generation is fine to a degree. I think that the um, the nonsensical amount of generation that we've experienced over the past year caused some, you know, uh, some players to just decide that this is toxic inherently. Generation is not inherently toxic. It's a good uh, complementary mechanic to card draw. Uh, I think that some classes should have a different spectrum of generation and draw some of them should have more draw less generation some of them should have more generation less draw but the point is uh it's it's a sum game right you need uh, there are classes that it's very imperative for them to have the ability to reload and the ability to execute their win conditions and for that they need to be able to tap into their decks and so what they're doing is they're moving away from this remove, 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 generate, 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 and just grind out the opponent. And I'm a big fan of that. Um, they've also said that you probably are going to mention this, but it ties in to their desire to give control decks finishers rather than have them win through just value. This is something I'm a big fan of because control decks for them to be good they need to have finishers. They need to have win conditions. That makes it easier to play against them. In a way, it gives you a plan. Like, you know what to expect, how they're going to win. You can plan ahead on how to counter that. That is, in essence, counterplay. When they just generate garbage, you can't really play around that. It's frustrating. It can be very frustrating when you're facing a deck with, like, a hand of, like, nine cards and seven of them are generated. So... If you're giving them finishers, you're giving them more of an identity where it's not just three clown decks, right? Like just clown classes just generate whatever and win through different means every game in a way that is impossible to play around. 
now there's actually there could be matchup dynamics that could be more interesting. Yeah, and keep now, in mind they've with- they've been aware of this for a while because you can really see the design difference between Year of the Dragon and Year of the Phoenix. When Year of the Dragon rotates out, we're losing Elysiana, we're losing the Galacrons, we're losing World Kickmaster, we're losing a lot of these cards that in Year of the Dragon they were really leaning into generation. And Mana Cyclone. Mana Cyclone. And it got to be too much. But it doesn't mean generation is completely going away. There are new cards we've seen already that generate a card or two. And I, 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 we mentioned this before, but I think a good benchmark for the level of generation they're looking towards is something like Keyword and Ivory, which is you get a couple cards. It's not going to win you the game, but it'll get you towards the later game, and it'll give you some cards that are not in your deck, but it'll be from a smaller, more restricted pool. I think that's really the benchmark that we should be looking at for generation going forward, where it's generation of a specific thing at a certain time and not perpetual. Now, I will say... You know, it's not all, uh, you know, sun and roses. There is a, a risk when you give con- all, con- well, you intend to give all control decks finishers. You, you I, I think they want to cut the uh, game time, the average game time. They haven't been happy with that because everybody's just clown fiestas uh, full hands all the time, which is understandable. But when you do win conditions that just finish games off, it's it's harder to balance them between against each other because uh, if you if you're designing a win condition for class A right and that win condition ends up being on average being executed on turn nine and then another class has a win condition that upon after refinement and deck building and experimentation post expansion it that win condition is activated on turn twelve on average then the class A will have a huge advantage. It might completely push out the win condition in class B. So when you do uh, win conditions that have like clear, like I'm going to win the game now, the risk involved is that they're not all going to pan out and it might leave some classes stranded in their late game. What you do to offset that is provide some interaction, some way to play around the win condition. So if the win condition is predictable, if the win condition can be anticipated, uh, then that gives a better chance for counterplay. And also, it can also offer some counterplay. We've seen one card already introduced in the standard format right now and can provide some counterplay. Just don't give everyone a Lucia. And if you can, delete the card before next year. Thank you very much. But yeah. I think we're looking more at, say, Ticketus into Yasharaj second Ticketus is probably what they have in mind for these yeah, I, I'm totally fine. I, I'm totally fine with deck destruction that takes setup and uh, an investment of mana. Something like Ticketus, I think, is fine for the game. Something like Elusia is not. But, um, yeah. So this is what win conditions and control decks are really liking that. Uh, I bet Hat, what's going to happen is that these control decks are going to have win conditions and people are going to say they're not control decks, they're combo decks because they have a win condition. I mean, if you just put a Cthune, if you put a Cthune Forget in Forget about deck. the definitions, guys. It doesn't matter whether it's a control deck or a combo deck. That, it, that definition is entirely uh, unimportant. What's important is that a control, a deck that has a late game strategy, you have a late game strategy that is building up to some sort of finisher, some sort of win condition, some sort of, of something to aspire to, in order to end the game rather than just grind you out with 
their hand, with the size of their hand. So I think that's good for the game. I think it provides more interesting dynamics between matchups rather than what you see right now, like rogue priest matchup, which is basically whoever outvalues the other, right? It's not particularly interesting. It also makes matchups very generic, right? Because a lot of matchups we've seen between the clown fiesta decks, right, that generate a lot of cards, it's just they're kind of the same decks, kind of decks, right? They just generate, 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 and whoever wins tempo on like a, a few turns and manages to hit face or manages to outvalue the opponent wins. So it makes matchups uninteresting because they are similar. Yeah. And um, when so when we talked to, to uh, over on my other show in Coinkton, when we had Bloody Face on, she said something that was really insightful of when when every deck has infinite value, then the games are always just about tempo. Just play your cards. And it becomes... Yeah. Yeah, it becomes pretty boring. So I don't think we're going to see mass card draw everywhere. Like Hunter is not going to get a sprint. I, w- I would not expect that. But it does seem they're nudging away from mass perpetual discovery or generation. And it does seem like they're leaning into every class having an ability draw cards, pushing games towards a conclusion. And I- I'm glad you mentioned combo deck, Zach, because also spell damage is basically getting totally redesigned because spells are getting redesigned. Spells will have... Uh, in many cases, we'll have one of seven minion-like tags. There are some spells that won't have any tag. They're, like, it's quests aren't a uh, spell school. But the seven spell schools are Arcane, Fell, Fire, Frost, Holy, Nature, and Shadow. So, for example, Arcane Missiles will be an Arcane spell. Fireball will be a Fire spell. Frostbolt will be a Frost spell. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what's going to be in the core set yet. We have some cards, but not all of them. But... Because they're giving spells basically minion types, they're giving them types, spell damage in general, you can see your generic spell damage, plus one is going to be still around a bit, probably more class specific, uh, plus two maybe. Beyond that, you're not going to see a lot of generic spell damage. You'll see things like nature spell damage plus three, which is a card we have in the new set. So you're not going to be able to combo as easily. You can't just put a bunch of damage spells in your deck and play a Maligos and cheat it out somehow and kill people. It's This is a very intentional change where spell damage is going to be a mechanic they can work with, but that means some of these tr- types aren't going to go face as often. We're basically getting spell tribes. Yeah. This is basically new design space to explore where they can push the limits on power levels of some enablers by restricting them to a spell school. Uh, it just makes total sense. Personally, I'm not a fan of tribal decks because I think that tribal minions can get a little bit boring um, after a while. Like They kind of work the same way uh, in many cases. But tribal spells, I think, is might be a lot more interesting when, because spells are inherently reactive. A lot of them are reactive. So that gives some sort of diversification into late game strategies that run spells from different schools. It makes them feel different. So I think that could be really cool. And yeah, it's just new designs, but it just allows you to print more powerful cards uh, on a more narrow spectrum, right? Because if you're like, compare Source's Apprentice, right? It's extremely powerful, generically powerful with all cheap spells. But what if you restrict the ability to a certain spell school? Then suddenly it becomes more of a deck building challenge. 
and not just generically powerful, just shove this in your deck and everything's going to be okay. Um, you're just pushing. It's, it's, it's just like you're, you're printing a, a tribal card that on condition, like a Twilight Guardian, right? On condition, if there's a dragon in your hand, it's a 3-6 taunt for 4, which is above the curve. So when you do something, when you tribe, when you give something a tribal tag, it allows you to push the boundaries on what is a normal budget for a, a mana cost, right? So you can push the limits on a power level of a card by restricting the spell scope. So yeah, and I there's still generic cool. spell damage. Like they they revealed again, they revealed a card, a new card in standard uh, in the core set that will give you spell damage plus one in shaman. So it's not going away forever, but. You can tell they had a meeting and said, what are the things from Classic that held us back? And they deleted all those things. And I, I love that they did that. Yep. So, we have some cards that we know are coming back. We've got a Noyotron. We've got two I'm actually really surprised at the Noyotron coming back. Because I think it's really powerful. But I guess if it's in a core set for a year, then that's okay. But it's really interesting that Anoyotron, it kind of tells you what uh, they've said in the past, that they really like having powerful uh, taunts, that they think that increases board interaction. So Anoyotron is really interesting in the core set. I'm curious to see if people will think of this in the context of Giggling Inventor and then realize that original Anoyotron was annoying but not that great? Yeah, without Mechwarper, I think Anoyotron is more fair. Uh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of a Tar Creeper that doesn't ever go above 1-5. Like, it's, it's, if Tar Creeper didn't kill the minions back, you get two blocks out of it, but that's about it. Not much more, but that can yeah, be useful. but I do think that Anoyotron is, is going to be a, a good card. Like, this is an example of them not being afraid of increasing the power level of the core set since you can rotate the cards and they can be temporary there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um... Tomb Pillager. Whew. I think people are overrating the impact of this card being introduced in the core set. Tomb Pillager uh, is obviously a good card, but would you put it in current rogue decks? No. You wouldn't put it in World Kick Rogue or Secret Rogue or definitely not Aggro Rogue. I think, I think about it in World Kick, Tomb but Pillager, yeah, you're probably right. No, nah, not in World Kick. You don't put that in a Secret Path. Like, it, the card... this. Tomb Pillager, I think, to me, enabled Auctioneer back in the day. That was one thing. And the more important thing is that it enables a higher curve. Because it allows you to, you know, accelerate, like, a, a more expensive card later in the game. If you don't have an Auctioneer, which I don't expect to see in the core set. I don't think that card is going to be in the core set. Yeah. If, um, we're, if we're having a meeting about things that hold us back, that is one exactly. of the top three. It's not... Yeah, so a lot of people will be excited about Tomb Pillager, but to me, Tomb Pillager is more of an enabler of a higher curve rogue deck, right? If there's a rogue deck that has a higher curve that plays six drops, for example, then this is a little bit of an, uh, an escape mana saber kind of card, right? For rogue. It's slightly stronger in terms of stats and gives you something that you can hold on for multiple turns. So it's it's obviously Tomb Pillager is a good card, and a lot of people will be happy about it because of nostalgia. But I think it's not going to be generically powerful, as some may suggest. Yeah, it's so it's a, a fun card to put in the core set. It's a solid card. Yeah, I agree. the The game has changed a lot since this was good because this was seen as undoing the gadgets and auctioneer nerf. 
um, and it was really powerful when you were curving small-time buccaneer into questing conceal, into tomb pillager, into use that coin on a gadget turn. It's, we're not anywhere near any of that stuff anymore. But I do expect to see some play. I do expect to be worse than people remember. And I, I, it's still, I'm hoping this is just about the power level of kind of good enough, because that's where we want the core set to be and shows a lot about how the game has evolved. Um, so there are some old favorites that are coming back from from current classic Tyrion and Fireball are largely unchanged, except Fireball is a fire spell now. Uh, I mean, it was always a fire spell. We just get to call it that now. Now they have some cards coming back that were actually buffed. So Assassinate used to cost five, now it costs four. I don't think this is going to break the game. It's just putting a polymorph in Rogue. Fine. I mean, this is one of the changes that I actually had uh, set in my mind that needs to happen. Like, Assassinate to 4 just makes total sense considering uh, when you compare it to Polymorph and Hex. So yeah. Back in Alpha, when they designed Assassinate and they designed Polymorph and Hex, they thought, oh, Assassinate completely removes the minion while Polymorph and Hex leave something on the board. Hex was 3 back then, by the way. So, yeah, yeah. So no, but I'm saying that you you considered assassinate to be more powerful back then if you designed the game in alpha because it leaves the board clean. While in polymorph gives you the opponent a one one. But the the point is that transform effects are much more powerful than just pure removal. And uh, there is no way that assassinate even at 4 mana is better than polymorph because of the fact that you have the transform effect which is essentially a silence effect, but better than a silence effect. And I like how they clearly looked at Polymorph and Hex next to each other and said, well, giving the opponent a taunt is definitely a downside. Hex should definitely be a mana cheaper because of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, those are things that they did in Alpha, but you can forgive them because they didn't know much about the game back then. Yeah, neither did we. It was an Alpha game, so... Yeah. Uh, so now it just makes sense that Polymorph and X cost the same. It also makes that a sense that Assassinate costs the same. And none of these cards are probably going to see much play unless you're desperate for some single target removal. And then there is some outside chance where maybe you consider running one of these cards. So I think it's fine. I think Assassinate at 4 is far more playable. Still not very playable, but it's okay. Yeah, and you can see a lot of these buffs... If they buff a card and it's still not something you would put in your deck, that is a great sign that it's a good buff. And also, remember that they're thinking of it from the perspective of, if a player is getting into the game and is a new player, we want the core set cards to not be embarrassing. Whereas if someone built a deck entirely out of classic and particularly basic cards in the past, it was embarrassing. Right, so Assassinate was just terrible, so I'm glad they're nudging it. They're also bringing back some old favorites, but rebalance. Hey, Zach, remember how Menagerie Warden broke the game as a 6-mana 5-5? Because now it's oh a 5-mana 4-4. Four, Tiger, four. Tiger into Ward, it was going to be so broken, and yeah, it wasn't. People stopped playing it after about 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. So 5-mana 4-4 four, four is actually better. Still not very good, but it's better, I guess. The real question is, is King Mukla still in core? Because Mukla into Coin Warden... Think of the value. Yeah. That's Somehow, so much value. I doubt it had. Zach, it's bananas. Huh? Huh? Oh, that, was, that was too predictable, Hat. That was too predictable. But 
Sorry, mm, I'm just monkeying around. They're not going to take away Mukla from the core set. I don't think so. I think the card is too funny. Nobody can dethrone the king. So, uh, they also redesigned the dragon aspects. We've seen three of them, though we know they've redesigned Nazdormu. We don't know how, but thank goodness. Took too long. Uh, they didn't say anything about Alexstrasza, right? They they have not mentioned Alex yet that I have seen. I imagine we will see her, and I am sure she will get some kind of nudge. But she is the one that has not been explicitly mentioned. Yeah, she's the only one not confirmed. Yes, but there's no way they make a corset without Alex. She is so iconic and is by far the one that has seen the most play over the years. Uh, they can't do a corset without Alex. But she has not been specifically mentioned yet or revealed. So... Ysera, still a 9-mana 4-12, and these all maintain their original stats, but the text is different. We'll start with Ysera. Battlecry, add one copy of each dream card to your hands. Now, the five dream cards, the only one that's the same is Emerald Drake, that's still a 4-mana 7-6. Laughing Sister now costs 2. Ysera Awakens now costs 3 and does not hit face. Dream now costs 1 and only hits enemy minions. And Nightmare gives plus 4, plus 4. So this is 9 mana for a one-shot burst of value to get 5 cards that are below the curve. Yep, I think this card is, uh, well, it's far better than the original Ysera. And it's actually, you know, on first at first glance I saw, oh, this card is still trash, but then I thought about it more. And maybe in a world where there's less generation, right? Then having a card give you give you five cards, right? It's a burst of generation, and it's quality generation, and it's non-random generation. You always know what you get. Uh, then some classes may consider this, especially Druid, because you have ramp. Druid doesn't have good AOE. Druid doesn't have good single target removal. It gets two very powerful effects of that nature, right? You get the AOE. Ysera Wiggins is huge for Druid. And also, you get a one-mana sap. And you get some tempo, and you can play all these cards. You can play the Ciacera, and then you clear the board next turn with Awakens and develop some, some pretty good stats. If DQA hadn't been printed, I think that Highlander Priest would have looked at this pretty hard at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. So there is some world where this card is actually playable, uh, especially a world where um, classes don't constantly have their entire hands full. And this, like, like in Druid especially. The, the class that I think is most likely to play this is Druid because of ramping, right? You have the ramp, you sacrifice cards in order to ramp, and then you get some cards back when you drop this on the board. So I think this card is, is kind of playable. And very the power level seems very appropriate for the, in, for the core set. Yeah, it's... And this is a great example of what they're thinking in terms of control decks having win conditions, because you said this is better than Ysera. And you're right, except I remember Control Warrior Mirrors, where I would run my opponent out of Shield Slams and Executes, and then I would drop Ysera, and they couldn't remove it, and they lose because it was infinite value. And it w the old Ysera was much better there in a much worse way, so I'm glad that scenario is being removed too, because that wasn't really fun to just face a Ysera down and say, I have no way to remove that, so I can't beat anything that they do. Yeah, but we're not in Classic anymore. The card is going to be removed, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the turn it's played pretty much always. So I think this is better, far better card. Uh, I, I don't even think that this would be worse than the original Ysera in Classic. Honestly, getting the five yeah. cards immediately. 
Is, but at that point in the Control Warrior Mirrors, your hand was full of two Acolytes and two Shield Blocks that you were never playing, so I don't know if we'd have the maybe, hand space. Maybe, maybe. I can yeah. see that. But that but, was but, that was a long time ago. So Long time ago. Uh, there's also a redesigned Maligos. Thank goodness. I am certain they are going to do, uh, they're going to pop the champagne at the office when Maligos rotates out of standard. The new Maligos, nine mana, 412, draw spells until your hand is full. As a battle cry. What a weird card. I remember them saying that two of the most design limiting cards that they had in the classic set were Maligos and Stone Tusbora, right? Yes, and Prep. So, um, yeah, so, no, but Prep. The three mana prep, not the two mana prep. They nerfed prep since saying that. So, um, Malagos, uh, this card is also, I think, is kind of playable. And also, I think mostly in Druid, maybe Rogue, like if it's a slower Rogue, but probably Druid um, because of the ramping potential and the fact that Druid can be very spell heavy. I think the effect is pretty powerful. Especially in a class that has like zero mana cards. This is why I'm saying Rogue Druid. So you can actually place things immediately upon um, drawing your hand full, right? So this card is okay. It's far less offensive and problematic than Malagos. Um, There will be maybe, again, it might see some fringe play. That's the purpose. The purpose is for it to be a card you might consider in some situation, but... Mostly, it's going to be outclassed by expansion cards uh, in the late game. So, yeah, it's it's fine. I think it's also a reasonable card, and I like the the idea behind it. It's still flavorful to Malagos because of the spell synergy. It's just not this thing where whenever there's some, I don't know, one mana nuke that goes face, people immediately say Malagos, right? It's It's been quite insane. Like, over the years, every time they... And and I remember that they've started like intentionally avoiding printing anything that goes face and is like one mana or less, just because of Malagos. The card was extremely limiting, and now it's no longer going to be in core set, and we get a cool card instead. I think it's fine. Also note, Ysera awakens or Ysera unleashed rotates out when this card rotates in. Thank goodness. Yep. So you cannot do that, the thing. You cannot you can do, do nine mana fill my board with dragons. Well, you can draw all your Cthulhu pieces. That's kind of cool with this card. If that ends up being good uh, enough, I will be surprised at the state that Standard is in. But yes, you can do that yeah, thing. Yeah, I will also be very surprised. But uh, I think, again, this has fringe applications. And that's the point. That's what this card should be. We also have a, I'll call it a buff Deathwing rather than a full-scale redesign, though the new art looks amazing. It is a 10-mana 12-12. Battlecry, destroy all minions, discard a card for each minion destroyed. We might think about playing this card now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, this card is much better than the original Deathwing. That left you completely stranded. Now you can actually maybe play this card in some big decks, even. So... I think this card is fine. Again, may see some fringe use, but the point is to not make it unplayable. Yes. Uh, which was the original Deathwing. We also have, there are 29 brand new cards. We've got five of them. Uh, and a couple of these are very strong, I think, including the first one we're going to talk about. Let's talk about Zappy Boy. Novice Zapper, Shaman, one mana, three, two, spell damage plus one, overload one. That's a pile of stats. This card is really strong. (laughs) 
Yeah. This is a really strong card. Basically, it's a 2-mana 3-2 that you can play on turn 1, or you can play for 1-mana. It activates Overload. This card is insane with Landslide, specifically. Like, it just activates Landslide yeah. and gives you the... Like, 3-mana Flame Strike. It's better than a 3-mana three three Flame Strike because it also deals with Death Rattles sometimes. So, yeah. This is a, this is a crazy enabler. For spell damage synergies. Uh, basically, Shaman gets its lab partner. Uh, I think that's important. You get it from Primordial Studies. I think spell damage Shaman now looks far better with a Zapper. Um, and it's uh, as one of its tools. And it's just good tempo, right? It's just like a totem golem. It, it totem makes golem for two so mana many, was really good. And, and it makes so many of the yeah. spell damage cards actually good. Like, you could play this with Molten Blast and be totally fine with... That's four mana, two cards, uh, deal three damage, make three one ones. Like that's fine. Landslide interaction is really, really great. If there was an enabler for spell damage shaman, it's a, it's this. And even if you include the overload cost and just view this as a two mana, three two spell damage plus one, mage plays that right now. Like Solarian Prime is nice, but you just play that on curve. We played Cult Sorcerer back in the day and just held our thumb over the rest of the text, and the card was fine. Uh, and this is you only have to pay one mana up front, and you can play it on turn one against a demon hunter. Unlike a Sludge Slurper, where you look at it and you look at their hero power and you say, well, what do I do? You just drop this. You just run it out there. Yeah, this is a very good card. This is a, this is really strong, actually. Yep. One of the two cards that we've seen so far in, in core that are brand new that I think are really, really powerful. Um, we also have Fell Soul Jailer. It's a five mana, four, six epic. Battle Cry, your opponent discards a card. Death Rattle, they get it back. Cool. Bad, but cool. I mean, they're, they're I mean, you're not gonna. What, what, what do you? Can you make this? Uh, you know what? You silence this, so it's permanently. No, I, I've seen that idea. That's not. That's not a reliable method. I don't know what else is in the core set. I don't know. It's cute, but I don't think it's good. I mean, yeah, I don't think you intentionally are going to play this in a constructed deck. I'll be surprised if you do. I I, I don't envision playing it, but it's. It's cool. Yeah. It's cute, though. It's cute. It shows the level of complexity they're willing to add to the core set, which I like a lot because it's they're they're going to do other. It mechanics. is a card that you would never see in a, in the classic yeah set before. Um, and just the same with Overlord Runthak, five mana, three six neutral legendary with rush. Whenever this attacks, give plus one plus one to all minions in your hand. Hand buff is just a thing in the game now. Yep. It's not going to see play. I don't think. This card won't. But it's so yeah. Off of Jandis, not so bad. It's pretty okay off of yeah, Jandis. Off of, yeah, yeah. This is pretty nutty off of Jandis. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, cute card. Maybe if you have some buff deck, then you might consider it again. Like, sees it's a fringe play. Like Ixar, I think, said something about they want the corset card to be like role players rather than build arounds. And this is a very good example of a, a role player. Yeah, the role is to be summoned off of Sanders. But yeah, all right. Yeah, basically, Vanessa Van Cleef. Now, I said at the beginning you're a fan. I know you really like the character. I know you've designed your own version of this card. The version they came up with is really interesting. It's a two mana two three combo card, Rogue Legendary, of course. Add a cop combo. Add a copy of the last card your opponent played to your hand. Yeah. So this card is not good. I th I've seen the players uh, getting enthusiastic about it. I don't know why. 
this card is not good. First of all, you have the combo restriction, which makes it really awkward to play on curve. Even if you do play it somehow on curve, you can't play whatever your opponent played on that turn. Let's say your opponent, I don't know, let's say you're playing against Druid, and he played Overgrowth on 4. Then are you playing this to get the Overgrowth so you can play the next turn? It's kind of slow. Or if you're playing, a, like, your, your opponent curves out with some play, some good play on turn 3. Like, you cannot play that card on turn 3. You cannot mirror what the opponent does. You cannot mirror the power level. You're enabling this. You have to use a 1-mana thing and play a 2-3 on turn 3 in order to get a, a play that's not going to be as powerful the next turn. So, I'm not a fan of this. As, a, like, people are saying, auto-include. This is ridiculous. This is never an auto-include. This is a cute card that you might consider maybe in some Burgle-type decks. Um, nice with Shadow Step again. But, but again, it's very situational. Like, sometimes the last card that your opponent played is not going to be the card that you want to have. Uh, so it has some... Again, it's it's fringe playable. I think that decks like Will Kick Rogue would never touch this card. Um, but it's okay. Again, it's core set legendary. I'm kind of disappointed, though. I wanted some mechanic with the that's similar to the Edwin mechanic, and it ended up just being a Burgle card. Like... Yeah, Vanessa deserved a better hat. The Edwin should mechanic should be a Burgle card. The Edwin mechanic was kind of busted, and they're probably moving away from questing adventure as well. But I will make a bold proclamation: you are wrong about this card until they nerf animated broomstick. Because as long as broomstick costs one, it will always be the last card the opponent plays, and and you always get a copy of it. It's going to see a ton of play while broomstick costs one because that's probably going to be one of the best cards in new in new standard. And until they nerf it, which they've already um, talked about doing, you get a broomstick back and you just broom people. Hat, this card is supposed to sit in your hand and wait until the right moment where your opponent played a broomstick. How often I'm do really broomsticks get played out? I'm re Hat, I'm really not feeling a 2-mana two 2-3 two, that's very conditional and requires to rot in your hand until the right moment. This doesn't feel like a like a powerful card this feels like a one of these cards that's gonna be you know the trap i don't think card the card is good i think deck. broomstick's really good and if it's as popular as i think it's going to be in new standard having a card that almost always is combo add an animated broomstick to your hand as a two drop is pretty good so i am i am but it's, curious it's, to see. it's added to you're adding a broomstick maybe when the opponent decides to play the broomstick, I, I'm really not feeling this hat. But anyway, you, you just gave a very specific example of a situation where this card is powerful. And the fact that you have to dig that deep in order to find an example tells me this card is going to be a trap. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see who's right in the end. But I think this card is highly overrated. Oh, I don't think this card is good. I think Broomstick is good. And I think that this card will see play well, while that card you is You think this matter. card will see play while Broomstick... I'm telling you, this card won't see play unless there's like a Burgle-centric deck that really wants the Burgle mechanic to... Uh, wants as many enablers as possible. We'll see. I'll bet you two packs. You're on? All right. That's a deal. Listeners, you heard it. Uh, and also, the other card in Corset that I think is legitimately super good... Uh, Thrive in the Shadows. Two mana, discover a spell from your deck. Now, Shadow Visions uh, was printed in Whispers, one of the best priest cards ever, that discovered a copy of a spell on your deck. This takes a spell out of your deck, much like Cleric of Scales does, but there's no conditionality, just two mana, go do the thing. 
So first of all, Wild players, I am sorry that Priest got way better in Wild, whether you are Reno or not, because now you have a second Shadow Visions, or if you're playing Combo Priest, you have four ways to find Divine Spirit and Inner Fire. But in Standard, this is just a good card. Just really strong. Yeah, this card is good. Uh, I like it a lot. I think it might even be, in some situations, an advantage over Shadow Visions in some decks. Yeah, well, we're not... Psychic Scream isn't a card that's in Standard anymore, so you don't want three of those. Uh, it's yeah, it's a different ballgame. I, I think this card is clearly good. I, I will remind you that Shadow Visions was also around at the same time that Radiant Elemental was around, which made it far more powerful. It was a powerful card, right? But it was particularly nutty with... Uh, um, Radiant Elemental, I think this card is fair. It's nice. For two mana, you draw a specific card from your deck. Properly costed. So I think I'm um, I'm happy with that. This is, a, this is a good card for Priest. Yeah. And we haven't even gotten to the Shaman changes. Uh, they're changing the hero power. Spell damage totem is gone. And instead we get strength totem, which at the end of your turn, give another minion plus one attack. Permanently. Yeah. I mean, if we're nerfed, basically this is a nerf to the Shaman Hero Power, which is a hero power that's already weak enough. But if it now allows, like, there's a there's a clear purpose here, right? They want the spell damage Shaman decks to not be um, roll the dice decks, right? Because sometimes you get the spell damage totem, and that's far more powerful than all the other totems. And this the the spell damage totem has historically been the most powerful. Or the one that's uh that was always prone to create like non games or high variant situations, such as with spirit claws and all all those kind of things. So I think this is a good change for the health of Shaman gameplay. I think the new totem is more in line with the other totems in terms of power lever, in terms of like being bore based, right? And just like healing totem, it can kind of snowball a little bit, but I think it's fair. It just needs uh, shaman buffs to go alongside it, which is what we're getting. So that's yes. good. And it it is overall a power level decrease, but it's a consistency increase. The shaman totems care about board now. Wrath of Air totem was always the outlier in spirit claws decks or, or decks with early board clears. You always wanted it. And in a lot of the other decks, it just wasn't as useful as Taunt or even as Healing Totem. Uh, one one was usually just, the worst. It just created high variance gameplay. Yeah. Which is, and it was early game high variance gameplay, which is the most toxic kind of variance. So and, I think it's a it's a good change. And Strength Totem is is solid. Like a plus one attack, a scaling board based totem that you get for free is not nothing. You can win off that if you're if you're looking to grind out a control deck like that can be something. It's not enough by itself, Probably but it's enough not, to supplement but what's going It's on. something that you cannot just ignore forever, right? You can't ignore yeah. this card. Yes, this uh, totem. So, um, and then they buffed some core set shaman cards in ways that Zach, you've been talking about for a while. Feral spirit now overloads for one instead of overloading for two. Lightning storm, just like I said, now always does three damage. The death of hyphen RNG. Speaking of popping the champagne, I did so myself. It just three mana deal three. Nice. Yep. Still overloads two. I remember I Fun. suggested in a podcast Feral Spirit o- reduce overload to one. And uh, they ended up doing the Lightning Storm change. I actually am surprised because Lightning Storm 
I suggested uh, reduce the overload and make it two all, deal two to all. They kept the overload, made three to all. I think Lightning Storm is a really good card now. Yeah. Like dealing three consistently, this is a very reliable board clear for early game minions. And this is a welcome change. This this card really needed this change. I really hated the two or three. I think everyone did. Um, we have, there's no, like, cards like Implosion. Hyphen RNG Cards sucks. like Crackle. It's terrible. Terrible. Yeah, it just, yeah, terrible design. And they removed also the extra hyphen RNG from every Shaman spell by getting rid of Wrath of Air Totem. Because those were all like, yep. overload two, add a hyphen plus one. Yep. So that's really good. Uh, and now Earth Elemental also, reduce, they reduced the overload by one. Again, this is something I mentioned in this podcast, and it ended up happening. Really happy with that. Yeah, though this doesn't actually change the card. The card doesn't have overload because you get it off Jantus. Yeah, but again, like this card, like with two overload, it's it becomes more playable. It's like Assassinate, right? It's probably not going to go into a Constructed deck, but maybe in some situation, maybe there's some Crusher Shaman that now wants to run Earth Elemental that has a better starting point. For people that are running like core set only decks, it's a lot better. And there is a point where you kind of look at this for a second. You pause in the deck builder and think about maybe Earth Elemental belongs in this deck, as opposed to in the olden days where you would just flip right past it. Um, yeah, I actually think it's it's kind of nice because the, the three overload really crushed that card. Like if you played Earth Elemental and got removed, then you just lost the game. It's like it's yeah. so much tempo. Yep. Spending eight mana on it. Now, seven mana on a seven, eight taunt is, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and we do know another change for the Shaman class. Bloodlust is not coming back. That's a big deal. It is a big deal, but it's a good deal. And you know why this is a good deal? It's because if you want to have win conditions, and you want to have a changing format, the win conditions need to be in the expansion cards. Yes. Not the core set. They specifically like, said is a, that Bloodlust and Savage were are so memorable and so visible that they want to give other win conditions, other finishers, a chance to have their moment. And so both Bloodlust and Savage are out. And this means we're going from a world where Zephyrus gives every class access to both of those to nobody has access to either. And boy, is that going to be interesting and different. Yeah, I think if they... Keep in mind that token decks of Shaman and Druid will need finishers, and they provide them with flavorful and different finishers. It will make for a more interesting format. It's just that it felt like whenever there was a Druid deck that kind of played wide, then you immediately put Savage Roar in, and it's one of the best cards in your deck. Uh, and also, win conditions are, are kind of it's important that they're different from year to year because this is how you lose games. Right, you lose to your opponent by a savage roar, and if that you keep losing to the same card every time, it's not like I don't know. You don't feel like you lost to a backstab, right? As much as you lost to a savage, because savage roar is the last card you see before you lose. Bloodless is the last card you see before you lose. I feel like for the gameplay experience and having people like people not getting burned out. I think it's good that the last card that beats you changes from year to year. Oh, gosh. I just realized what that means. Eviscerate's not coming back, is it? Hmm. I don't know, Hat. We'll see. Yeah. It hasn't been revealed, I'll talk but... a little bit about Rogue. Yeah, we'll see what happens with... 
I, I don't know. Eviscerate, it's not really. I mean, maybe in the Agra Rogue <laughs> that you see now, but Eviscerate is. Uh, Think about how many different years where your opponent ends the game with Evis, Evis, and you're like, how did I die? Because it's been a lot of years. That's happened a lot. I don't know. I think it's mostly. I think it was Cold Blood more often back then, and also I think Eviscerate grew in power because of Secret Passage. I don't think uh, Eviscerate has been, uh, you know, an unconditionally powerful card always throughout Hearthstone's history. I think it grew in power. Well, I didn't. Don't think I saw it grew in power because of Secret Passage. But that's a d- different subject. But this is like build around win condition, Savage or Bloodlust for token decks. Make them different every year. Makes it more interesting. Cards like Arbor Up, for example. Yes. Uh, so I think it's uh, it, it's a good change to have yeah. Bloodless and Savage Roar going. And with no Savage Roar, it's it redefines how we look at cards like Low Fly Swarm. Um, so I'm really curious to see. And Druids, it looks like they're getting also a very large scale change, which we should probably expect every class to get something like this. But they're moving away from direct damage like Swipe and Wrath. But we've confirmed that both Pounce and Feral Rage are coming back. So it looks like Druid is uh, is Feral spec this expansion and is looking more to do damage with its face. Like, uh, this sounds almost Demon Hunter-y in a way. Yep. They're not looking to win with a wide board that grows and, and buffing it, and they're looking to deal their damage and do removal that way as opposed to what they've been doing for so long, which is, for some reason, be really good at spell damage and, and killing things directly. I mean, if you asked people last year... What do they think about Druid losing Swipe and Wrath? They would say, oh my god, Druid loses Swipe and Wrath. Is this even going to be a class? But these cards are actually don't see play in Druid anymore. Yeah. They haven't seen play this expansion much. When you print things like Lunar Eclipse, uh, Bog Beam, you, like, you have more efficient uh, cards now. And Wrath has been really outclassed um, by other expansion cards. So... I don't think Druid is going to miss uh, these cards much. And Swipe mostly saw playing Malaga's Druid, which is already going to be gone and hasn't been good for a while. Uh, and Swipe hasn't been good for a while. So I think neither of these cards are going to be missed by Druid, which is kind of weird because, if again, if you, say that, if you said that two years ago, you would sound uh, like a lunatic because oof, those cards has been, have been forever in Druid. And been played consistently over the years. It's just that recently they they haven't. So. They're sacred cows, right? And so this yeah. shows the extent of change that we're getting. But also, I'm kind of scared, Hat. You know what I'm scared of? I'm scared that they're not that somehow preparation is not going to be in the core set. I, and I like think you down. should. Yeah, you should be afraid of prep. I don't envision prep coming back. If prep is not coming back, Hat, I think Rogue is going to have a big problem with the cards that it received us. Uh, like when you think about secrets, when you think about swindle, when you think about yeah, basically all that Rogue's been doing. Well, I wonder if I wonder if prep will hit a specific spell tribe or something, or maybe it like mm. maybe they make a prep for secrets. I, I don't know. I think honestly, prep is not even the like it's not even one of the best cards in either of the archetype that it sees plays in right now. It's not even close. So. I'm not sure that, like, if Innervate stays in Druid, which I expect, then maybe, maybe. Prep and Innervate are, are good cards to have for new players, understanding, okay, so this is how Rogue cheats mana, and this is how Druid cheats mana. But neither of them are particularly offensive. I'm kind of actually hoping Prep stays at, because I think that Rogue might have serious issues if it doesn't. Well, if it doesn't stay, that Rogue needs good zero mana cards 
to replace it. Because Rogue is very reliant on zero mana cards in order to function as a class. Because of the combo mechanic, because of its resource, like the intensity of its resource spending. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what Rogue looks like going forward because this looks like a large-scale reimagining of a lot of things that we take for granted. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I'll have to get used to it. Yes. And we, we do know from an interview in Japan, Lord Jaraxxus is coming back as a hero card. That's Which exciting. Is, I think is fantastic, yeah. I mean, obviously it will probably be rebalanced, though. I'm not sure. Honestly, had, if, if the card read the same, had the same text and you gave you 5 armor and you started and you and didn't set your life to 15 would it be busted infinite is six sixes is, is kind of questionable that's the part that i i think that they might nudge like i don't know if infinite six sixes is the way to go no but you have to change the hero power what do you do what it, it has to summon infernal's hat that's, maybe the know. infernal's are smaller maybe maybe it makes four fours Maybe they're smaller. I don't know. We'll see. But I think it's really cool. It's also appropriate that it's a hero card. It's It was the original hero card. Just wasn't labeled as such. And yes. having it not set your, your life to 15 will probably make it a little bit more playable. So it's cool. I like it yeah. a lot. Yeah, Jaraxxus has been a favorite card for a lot of people over the years. Right? I think it was my first golden legendary. I was so excited about it. Getting a golden Jaraxxus. It's a pretty cool card. It was one of my first two golden legendaries along with Antonitis, who I am certain is not coming back. There's, there's no way. Uh, Probably. <laughs> yeah. So there are some card uh, Shadow form we know is coming back, but we haven't seen yet. There are some cards that were uh, revealed in freeze frame stills from the video, from the promo video, but we don't know the specifics. Like, we know Grom Hellscream is coming back. I don't know if he still has charge. We haven't seen the card. We've just seen his name. Um, there are a bunch of classic cards that we know are sticking around that are, that appear unchanged. Direwolf Alpha, Murloc Tidecaller, Acidic Swampu, Zach's favorite, uh, Fire Elemental, the card Wind Fury, Elven Archer, Sinister Strike. You mean Strike. Jesse Alexander's favorite, not my favorite. Please correct yourself, Hat. Everybody loves the Acidic Swampus. Um, Sinister Strike, Sengent Shieldmaster, Abusive Sergeant, Jungle Panther, Kobold Geomancer, Craze Alchemist. We're getting some returning cards. Uh, Storm Watcher is coming back. That's the seven mana for it with Wind Furious and Elemental. Uh, we're getting Tidal Surge back. The four mana deal four to a minion, gain four life. It has lifesteal now. It's a nature spell. Deadly Poison is going to be a nature spell. Rock Biter is a nature spell. Lightning Bolt is a nature spell. That one's important. Um, and then uh, Lone Champion is rotating back. Three mana, two, four. That if it's your only minion, uh, it's uh, it gains Taunt and Divine Shield when you play it. Raid Leader is buffed. It's a 2-3 now, Hat. Raid Leader's a 2-3, and Sprint costs 6. Which I think is appropriate with the preparation nerf, because it makes no sense for that card to cost 7. Yeah. At 6 mana, you're still probably not going to play it, because Rogue has a better card draw than that. But and I think most of these again. cards won't see play, but it does show that we're not losing everything that we recognize. Like, there's no more Frostwolf Grunt, there's no more Goldshire Footman, but card like Murloc Tidecaller. If you want to play a Murloc deck, you can run a Tidecaller. Sure, that's fine. And Deadly Poison Sinister Strike sticking around mean that Rogue is not going to stop doing damage. Mm-hmm. Well, Deadly Poison kind of feels tame in comparison to Nitro Boost Poison. But yeah. I mean, it is it is less damage, yes. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We're excited. We're, the core set is going to be revealed on the 25th. 
And after that, we, we, we plan to do something, something about it. I'm not going to make promises, but some content related to the, to the core set. Um, it's, it's, I think it's going to be like, this is a huge moment and we're going to know a lot just from looking at the core set. Well, about the future of classes. We'll have a lot to talk about, and we'll get an idea as to what the devs are thinking, but also I envision that Standard will feel more different than ever post-rotation. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, course a discussion down. We also had an expansion announced. Oh, yeah. That was item one. Item two, <laughs> Forged in the Barrens. New expansion, Horde-themed. Looks pretty strongly like expansion number two will be Alliance-themed. Uh... 135 new cards, there's a new keyword, Frenzy. Think of this as Spellburst and Rage. So when something takes damage and survives, the first time that happens, it does a thing. It's one and done, it's consumable. So when it takes damage and survives from any source, Inner Rage, gonna be a big deal. Assuming Inner Rage is coming back, which it might not be now that I think about it. It probably isn't now that I think about it. But we'll see. Um, there are also spells that are kind of like old spellstones, except they rank themselves up as you have more mana crystals. So, as an example, there's Imp Swarm. It's a two-mana warlock spell. Make a 3-2 demon. 3-2 imp. Except when you have five crystals, you make two. And when you have ten crystals, you make three. Spell cost does not change. It just levels itself up based on where you are in the game. Don't have to do anything. It's always two, five, and ten. It's kind of a scaling mechanic. Not a super scaling mechanic, but it has something to do with scaling. Though the card is terrible, Hat. Oh well, my that God. card is terrible. The Shaman one's okay, but this is just like, they want to make cards that aren't super useless top decks when you draw them. Two mana, make three, three, two imps. It's not like the worst. It's just not what you're looking for at that point in the game. Hat, I don't think I would play that card if the 10 mana version spawned a full board of three twos. Probably not. I don't know. I wouldn't play that card. Like what? <laughs> well, and card it is looks awful like hat. it looks like they're targeting uh, the scaling flexibility as opposed to raw power here. Like none of these are going to be. It seems like condition. the scaling is going to be a plus one thing, right? Uh, I think so. It looks like that. It's probably going to be just a plus one thing to the value. And this we know is two why of these the card cards. Is is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. So first, first preview. First card we discussed already. You can, we d we don't need to go through it again. The imp summoning thing is terrible. Guys, don't yes. play that card. Um. So for druid, we've got druid of the plains, seven mana, seven six, epic beast with rush, frenzy, transform into a six seven kodo with taunt. It's a little coil fang warlord. Yeah, kind of. It reminds me of uh, firelands portal. I kind of see that too. The coil thing was really just a big uh, firelands portal. Yeah, it's it's more it's conditional and it's rushed, so you can't like if there's a taunt in the way, then that that's a problem. You can't remove exactly what you want, but the spawn is very powerful, right? It's a boulder first ogre with taunt. That's good stats for the cost. Yeah, that's what I fear. Yeah, so nice removal. It's it's a decent removal card. I'm not sure what druid deck is gonna play this. But I don't know, it's kind of a good bridge to, um, like, you play Overgrowth, and you play this, and then you play Guardian Animals. Yeah. So it kind of fills the curve in turn. like, yeah, I actually kind of like it. In Overgrowth decks, it might be pretty good, now that I think about it. It 
feels like a solid card, right? Like, it's, I don't know if this makes any deck viable, but hit something for seven, then make seven button taunt on the same turn. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to speculate how, we don't know what, we, we don't know the whole set, and we don't know, there's more than we don't know than we've ever not known before, Hat, because we don't even know what the core set is. So there's no way to really evaluate these cards in a, in a serious manner, but like if you look at it just standalone, it looks pretty decent. It's, it is a card that I look at it and I pause and I say, hmm, that could be all right. Uh, now, but you're yeah. right. We don't even know what we don't know. We don't even know what we don't even know. So, speaking of class beasts, we've got Sunscale Raptor. It's a hunter, one mana, one three beast. Frenzy, shuffle a Sunscale Raptor into your deck with a permanent plus two plus one. Now, keep in mind, this says shuffle a Sunscale Raptor, not shuffle a copy of this. So you're not going to have infinitely scaling Sunscale Raptors. Every time this hits and survives, you're going to get a 3-4 and shuffled into your deck. Even if you draw the 3-4 and then shuffle it in, it'll be another 3-4 that you get back. But it's a 1-mana, one 1-3 one, Beast for Hunter. That's probably good enough by itself. Wait, wait. If you play the 3-4 and it gets damage, it doesn't send a bigger one? It says shuffle a Sunscale Raptor, so I don't think this scales forever. It's, it's like how a Serenite Chain Gang was worded after the nerf. It doesn't say summon a copy of this. It says summon a Serenite Chain Gang. True, true. That is true. You're right. So this card is a 1-mana, one 1-3 one, Beast and Hunter, which already kind of makes it likely to be playable. But I think the ability is not even... A, like, it's sometimes going to be a drawback. Like... Do we want to draw one mana three four on turn five? Huh? Maybe, but it doesn't strike me as like always an advantage. Like it doesn't feel like this this tax is actually that great. But it's a one mana one three beast in hunter, so it might see play. Yeah, just uh, because of that. Uh, what was that card? That summoned it was a hatchling, the two one that put a four three into your deck yeah. that was like okay. Yeah, but it was two one. It was that was really bad stat line, and it wasn't good. And the uh, the one the the one drop that it shuffled was a four three. This is a far stronger version of that card. I'm not sure that's still enough to be a great card, but again, it's a one mana one three. That's reasonable. Yep. Uh, there is there is desperate prayer next. It's a priest spell. It's a zero mana holy spell. Restore five health to both heroes. Okay, so this card in a vacuum seems useless, but if like you're playing a deck, so auctioneer is not going to be around, right? So like if you played this like this year, you would think, oh, like maybe in an auctioneer deck you play this, it would be really good. Um, but I think this card is actually pretty good because zero mana spells are good. Like they're they're very often played, even if they're they don't seem that impactful, just because they cost no mana. So I can definitely see some priest deck playing this, though the priest deck that plays this need to have a lot of draw, right? You need to have a really aggressively cycling priest deck in order to be able to play this. But it's it's pretty good, like five light, like priest doesn't care about killing the opponent often. So maybe not shadow priest, but uh, yeah, like control priest deck might consider this if, again, they have a lot of draw. If you're cycling into something and you just want to stall the game, 
then this is a good filler. Right? But we're not getting auctioneer, so situationally. I'm going to have a sidebar here. We're going to digress for a second because the response that I wanted to have when you said maybe not in a Shadow Priest was, no, this is holy spec. And then I realized the schools are specs for classes. And then I realized this is the callback to Classic WoW expansion. Then I realized that Classic WoW has driven so many people back to Blizzard that now they're making a bunch of content based around capturing those people and rekindling the magic about what Blizzard was 20 years ago because they're also doing Diablo 2 Remastered and they're also doing the Burning Crusade for WoW Classic and they're also doing Classic Mode here. And so WoW Classic was so much bigger than they thought that now they are making content to capture people that left Blizzard and, and are now coming back because of how they remember things used to be. Yep, it does seem like that. They're, they're really tapping into the nostalgia uh, as a company, which makes sense, I think, because uh, those games have been around for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, this prepares. Uh, it's it's okay. It's an okay card. I think it has a chance to see play just because it's zero mana, and it's good defensively. Yep, that's it. Next up, we've got a shaman card. This one's really interesting. It's Brucon. He's a legendary four mana five four nature spell damage plus three. We already know lightning bolt's coming back. So is lava burst coming back, and or is it a fire or, or a nature spell? Because that's really important for this card. My instinct tells me that Lava Burst is not coming back. That is my instinct. That is not based mm. on anything other than seeing this card and saying, no way. Actually, Fireball is coming back. I'm kind of leaning towards Lava Burst is coming back. But in any case, regardless of whether we want to hit our opponent in the face with damage, this card, uh, maybe the most exciting one from this expansion so far, I'm... Like a 4-mana 5-4, I mean, that's pretty decent stat line. And spell damage 3, even if it's like one... Sp like, these are basically shaman spells. Uh, like, Landslide is going to be a nature spell. Lightning Bolt it turns insane with this card. And there are many other spells that just... Lightning Storm is probably going to be a nature spell. With this card, it's like it's insanely good board clear. So, I think Brukan is a card that... Has potential to be good in aggressive shaman decks. Spell damage shaman decks. Like if you run Ross, then I think this works with Ross, right? Because it's still a spell damage card. Uh, and no. No, you don't think so? I it don't... doesn't make Ross insane? I'm not actually sure I think about it might. that. This is a good question to ask because if this is... Because it's a spell damage, right? But no, you it's can, nature you spell can damage. I don't think it works. You don't... You can't get it off of Primordial Studies? Uh... You might be able to, but this if is... you if you can if you can get it off of studies, then it should be able to activate Ross. It means it's not in its own category. It's still considered a spell damage. So I'm not sure. It's a good question, but you know, Ross into this seems pretty powerful. But yeah, my we'll, instinct we'll is that this is that Ross is not buffed by this because he does not deal. I think you it looks for the word nature, and Ross does not have the word nature. Uh, well, this is all speculation. We don't know. Yeah. The fact is, we don't know. This is a question that somebody should tweet to the developers, because can it be discovered by nature, uh, by um, primordial studies, and can it activate Ross? Because if it is, then that's really, really powerful. But even if it isn't, even if the answer is no, that seems still seems like a really good card that can has potential to be played in uh, multiple different shaman archetypes. Right? If you're playing an aggressive shaman archetype and you run burst. Right, you run damage, then this is really good for your lightning bolts and such. 
if you're playing a controlish shaman deck, you run board clears, then you run a card like Landslide, then you definitely want to consider running this. Absolutely insane. So yeah, this card is really exciting because it's very flexible. Yes. Kind of feels like this class is Ilganoth, honestly, yeah. This feels like a Ilganoth level card for Shaman. And we know for sure that Lightning Storm is in fact a nature spell. So I envision I imagine that most of the nature spells will not go face, because the other nature spell that we have does not go face that we're about to talk about. Yeah, but Lightning Bolt is a nature spell. So and that, and that is a very good one uh, that turn five, just like play this and, and bolt for six. Like that's obviously strong. My instinct is that primordial studies cannot find this. And my instinct is that uh, Ras Ras Whisperer does not get buffed by this. But we'll see. Let's hope your instincts are wrong because I want that to be, be able to be discovered and I want that to activate Ross. I think if you play this on four for a Ross on five and your opponent doesn't kill it, if you can't deal four damage on four, then sucks for him. Yeah, it sucks for them. And I, uh, I did tweet at the devs while we were talking, so we'll see if they get back to me during the recording. Uh, next up, we do have a lightning-ranked spell here, a nature-ranked spell uh, for Shaman. It is uh, Chain Lightning, two mana, deal two to a minion and, and one of its neighbors chosen randomly. So it's either it goes left or it goes right. At 5 mana, it deals 3, and at 10 mana, it deals 4. It's always cost 2, but goes from 2 damage, 3 this damage, is, This damage. is pretty good. It's far more playable than the Warlock spell. The reason is that the baseline version is actually okay. It's kind of a better cleave for 2 mana, which is slightly better cleave because there is some control over it. Uh, I like it. Obviously, it scales very well with spell damage, which Shaman is probably going to use. And Rokan, so reasonable card. Nothing game-breaking, but it's a good card. Yep. Uh, we've got Blademaster Samuro, which is a 4-mana 1-6 with Rush and the new Frenzy ability. Uh, Frenzy, deal this minion's attack to all enemy minions. So, for example, if you play this and interrage it, it would immediately deal 3 to all enemy minions. Uh, cheap buffs, the name of the game here, Nitro Boost Poison, very strong. Uh, we'll see what other cheap minion buffs are available for it. Yeah, so this is nutty in three classes. It's nutty in Paladin because of Libra Librum of Wisdom and, you know, Hand of a Doll and all sorts of buffs, but especially Wisdom. It's nutty in Priest because of Apotheosis. And it's nutty in Warrior because of Inner Rage. So these are the classes I'm mostly looking at, you know... I speculated, I thought about Rogue, but when I think about it, you know, with Nitro Boost posting, I don't actually think this is going to be a thing. I think you need to consistently be able to buff it with multiple things. Like, you have multiple options to buff it. So I'm really feel feeling it in those classes because of what I just mentioned. This is a good card. This is powerful. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a very good card. In Priest, Apotheosis, you know, Pyropotheosis is also is already very powerful combo, and this is just outrageous with apotheosis. Like this is like a Reno with apotheosis, very very good. And obviously in Paladin, it gives them another board clear alongside their already powerful board clears. So works really well with uh, Librum of Justice. 
without even activation, right? You just play this with Liberum of Justice and you clear the board. Yeah. Also, by the way, so, Frenzy Mechanic, very good with Penflinger. I am concerned about how good Penflinger is. Oh, going to this be. also this is also a combo with Barrow. You can just Barrow some more. Yes. That's yeah. I think this card is very good. Yeah, though Barov doesn't Alden. need that much help to be great. Barov's yeah, a- but it's just more another more applications, more redundancy had. So this works with a lot of different cards in order to create a board clear. Yeah. So Paladin, Warrior, Priest, really liking it in those classes. This is a very good card. Also, uh, another reason to be glad that Risky Skipper is rotating is this entire mechanic. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not gonna miss Risky Skipper. Oh, I'm just counting down the days, Hat, till that card's gone. It's coming. Soon. All right. Uh, we've got Mancrick. For those of you that have played WoW Classic or played back in the day, you know about Mancrick. Uh, three mana, three, four, neutral, legendary, battle cry. Shuffle his wife into your deck. When you draw, it's a, it's a, it doesn't have a cost. It's a cast when drawn spell. Uh, so you find Mancrick's wife. In Hearthstone, she's okay. She's just, she's poked up by Quillbors, but she's alive. But Mancrick mad, and so you summon a 310 Mancrick that immediately goes face. It's a cute card, cute flavor. Don't think it's very good. Like, unless, like, Shuffle Rogue wants another Ticketmaster, a bad one, then this card's probably not going to see play. This is mostly a meme. Maybe there's going to be some videos that you have, you know, you copy Mankirk and you shuffle like seven mad Mankirks and they all attack face. And you check Zara. Kind of a, yeah, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. It's Yeah, that's uh that's cute. That's cute. Yeah, that's probably gonna be a video, but probably not a competitive deck. I think that's reasonable, yes. Um we've also got Peon, who I hope says Zug Zug. It's a two mana, two three neutral frenzy. Add a random spell from your class to your hand. Eh. So this feels like a very bad wand maker to me. This is a bad wand maker. One health, extra health, but there's actually no guarantee that you're gonna get the spell, and the spell is also not restricted by a cost, which means you might get a very expensive spell that you cannot play. So this is very awkward. I think this is uh. This is not a good card. No, it is not. We've got Razor Main Raider, uh, which is a neutral 5-mana five 5-6 five, frenzy attack a random enemy. Card seems all right. Card seems not terrible. Seems annoying. Like, if we have a mid-range meta hat where people play stuff on curve, and that's probably not happening, then Razor Main Raider is actually pretty decent 5-drop, right? Kind of annoying. Six health at five. Hard to remove, which means it's likely to frenzy, which means it gets to attack like a Felma. So that can be powerful sometimes. So this is one of those cards that feels like a filler card, and yet you you go, hmm, right? There, there have been some of those cards that make you go, hmm, before the expansion, they end up seeing play like Rusty Raider. Like when you think, oh, this is just filler, and then, oh, that card actually saw play. So maybe this one does as well. Yep, and uh, it says attack a random enemy, it can go face. And beyond just being good with Broom, it's pretty good with the Og Merchants, don't you think? Especially uh, Guardian Og Merchant? Yeah, so you, like if you run a uh, Guardian Og Merchant with like tempo decks like to do, 
mid-range decks may consider doing, then this card is really good with that. So it has some synergy in Animated Broomstick, another good one. This card may have a chance, even though it looks like filler. Yeah. It's, if this is the level they're targeting for filler, then I think that we're more likely going to see a wider variety of cards seeing play, at least in four set metas. Six set metas, it's pretty hard for cards to stand out. But if this is the level of filler that we're getting, well, we've already seen worse cards. We've already seen Peon, so maybe that's closer. But this card's okay. Uh, yeah. we, we've got the new free card that everybody got already that's legal and standard today, Shadowhunter Vol'jin. Five mana, neutral, legendary. It's a 3-6, Battlecry. Choose a minion, swap it with a minion in its owner's hand. So it can target your stuff or their stuff. I think this card is being overrated as a combo disruption card. I mean, yeah, it can be situationally good against uh, Lifesteal Demon Hunter sometimes, but not really. Like, not consistently so. Um, building a deck in order to use this as a way to cheat out your own minions seems a bit awkward and probably not realistic, not super realistic. I I think this card will see play, but... I think that players are overestimating how, uh, and how many decks it's going to go in. I don't think it's going to go into a lot of decks. Um, but it's it's a cool card. I really like this. This is the kind of dirty rat effects that I think are fine to have in the game. And yeah, I like it. It's not quite a Madame Goya. It's not quite a Tink Master. It's not quite a blatant decoy. Somewhere in the middle. But if this is the level of neutral disruption slash mana cheating that we have in the format, okay. You could play this in Shaman, you could play this in Paladin, and play a big deck and just only have giant stuff in your deck and then play this. Yeah, I like it. I think this is this is a versatile enough card that Fun. has maybe... Yeah, it's mul there, there are multiple potential uh, applications for this. It might end up seeing play in one of them. So I give this some some chance to see a decent amount of play. I, I don't think it's going to be as ubiquitous as some players are suggesting. It's it's a fun card. And then finally, the yeah. last card we have to talk about is Spirit Healer. It is a neutral 4-mana 3-6 epic. After you cast a holy spell, give a random minion plus 2 health. Can it give its own? Yeah, it's a random. Yeah, so... Yep. This, is, uh, this is actually really good. I think this card is really good. Um, in Paladin, especially because of Librem of Wisdom, uh, it can like spin out of control pretty quickly. And if we ever get an inner, uh, like an inner fire priest again with uh, the one four, then this card probably goes into that deck too. So it's cool. It can be a really snowbally card. A four mana three six. It's hard to kill on curve. It's a it's a threat. You can start buffing its health and just just grows. Yeah. Um, of note, by the way, every holy spell, except for one in Hearthstone's history, is priest or paladin. There is one spell ever that is not priest and not paladin is a holy spell. Can you guess it? I mean, I know the answer, so there's no guess. It's renounced darkness. Oh, you're no fun. But yes, yeah. I it's love that they did that. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, I think, again, like temple priest decks, if they ever emerge will strongly consider this card because of its snowballing nature and also Libran Paladin may consider this as a 
kind of a questing adventure kind of uh, build around, right? Um, interesting. I like it. I think this card is pretty decent, pretty strong. Because on curve, it's it's okay as well. It's a 4 mana 3-6. So it's hard to remove. You don't have to play this in combo immediately with uh, spells in order to make this very dangerous and threatening. And Cat. that's all That's all we have for Baron's cards. So we've got one more piece of information that, by the way, seems kind of important. They nerfed Allura. Like, during BlizzCon. Like, on Friday night. Yep. <laughs> so this is why we're doing the report on the 28th, on Sunday rather than Thursday. Um, we're delaying it a little bit just to get a better picture of the meta that is developing. Right now, the meta is very new. At this point, it's uh, too premature to say what's working and what isn't. I will say that Liberal Paladin at least looks pretty insane post-patch. So if somebody randomly asks me, Zach, what, what, what is good right now? I'll tell him, Liberal Paladin. Probably without Allura, but the deck seems to be very well positioned right now. But we'll see. And the the whole the report on uh, Sunday is going to talk about the meta in detail. Uh, this podcast was meant to discuss mostly the BlizzCon line announcements. And based on the time that we've spent recording this hat, uh, that was definitely appropriate. This this has been a long podcast uh, with a lot to talk about. Yeah. So there will be a time a better time to talk about constructed format right now. We will also be discussing the course in the future. We'll be discussing the expansion in full. I do wonder when the classic format is going to launch. That will also be very interesting to see. But it's exciting times, Hat. I'm excited. I'm also really, really scared, Hat, with the core set revealed because I'm attached to some of the cards in the classic set. It's let it go. We got it's it's all about embracing the new. And what I love as well is that it doesn't feel like the standard meta is going to be settled by the time rotation happens. They're looking to do stuff pretty frequently. And I'm pretty happy about the pace of change that they're keeping up with. Um, and it looks like Corset is going to create a really, really fresh and new experience in Standard that will be unlike what we've seen before without the same kind of base-level assumptions about what classes do and how they do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. As I said, the best picture we will get is once we see the whole Corset revealed... And then we will fully grasp and understand where each class is headed. And uh, I will be able to judge whether will there be really great parity between the classes? Was there like the decisions regarding the core set are huge for the game? Obviously, they can always chop and change it, but it just it's going to reveal a lot about the philosophy that they're embracing right now. So yeah. I'm excited. The most the thing I'm most excited about had I want to see card draw. Card draw for priests, card draw for paladin, card draw for shaman, card draw for hunter. Give it. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme. I want to see those classes get some card draw. That's the most that's the number one thing I'm looking forward to. Obviously, card draw in other classes is nice, but they already have a lot of it already. Those are the classes I feel like are the most limited by the fact that they don't have card draw, good card draw in their classic set right now, and having card draw in their core set is going to be a game changer. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I'm there are so many things that I'm curious to see what they do that really it's hard to pinpoint any one thing I'm looking forward to. But I'm I'm excited by the idea seeing what they're doing with Savage Roar and Bloodlust. I'm excited by the idea that they want games to to progress and end in new and exciting ways, and I am excited for that. That's what I'm looking forward to, that they're willing to take risks and step outside of what we're used to and uh, and give us a new experience. But we don't have anything else to share today, so we're going to call the show here. Uh, as a reminder, the next report will be published on Sunday the 28th. The podcast will be two days after that on Tuesday, March 2nd. We'll have a full course set reveal. We'll have the report to talk about. That'll be a long show. Uh, and do not expect a card-by-card card here. That's not happening. Um, no. We will have a... We will have a macro-level review. And maybe we will have a micro-level review later. I'm not promising anything, but I'm hinting. Yeah, we'll see. And also, from what we know from speculation, the pre-order for Forge and the Barons ends on March 22nd, which means that we likely see a set release on either Tuesday, March 23rd, or Thursday, March 25th. That's what we know right now. Uh, we don't have confirmation, but that's what we know right now. So, Zach, you're going to have a lot of stuff to do in March. Yeah. I'm really hoping that the patch, the expansion patch, comes out on the 11th so that we get to play Classic for a couple of weeks before the expansion launches and also so that I won't die writing pre-expansion content <laughs> from the... <laughs> Because when they do a live stream on Wednesday and then the expansion launches on Tuesday and we basically have to do two major articles like the theory crafting and the card preview in like four days, we have to write them all in four days. That's rough. We get through it. I get through it. But it's I basically never leave my room during those days. So like if I get a two week in order to play some classic while working on this content, that would be great. Do it, do it, Team 5. You know you want to. Yes. It's kind of weird, though, if they release classic, like, like I think it's, it's what's actually going to happen. Because if they release classic on the 18th, they release it while they're hyping the new expansion, and basically people are... Right? I, I want to see some classic... I want to have some breathing room in order to play Classic before the expansion launches. Yeah, I don't get the vibe that the people that are really invested in Classic are going to be looking to play a lot of the new expansion, but also they want to get those people into the client what? right before... No, there isn't going to be a single person who buys this new expansion and is not interested by Classic. Whether you're an old boomer like me who played started playing in beta, right? Or whether you're a new player who never experienced the game back in Classic. You're not even a new play. Let's say you started in Blackrock Mountain. Let's say you got into the game in Whispers. Right? Are you not curious about the game in Classic? Yes, you are. Right. Play it for a week, and then the new expansion comes out. The people it's that not really want week. Wanna... It's like five days. Hat. Give us if two weeks. If it's the next Thursday, which is like what they did for Dia, for Darkman Fair, if, then it's a full week. And Classic's not going anywhere. Like, it's really not going anywhere. It's going to stay exactly the same. But they want it yeah, close. Hat, so that way wanna... people that log in to play Classic stay in the client 
for core set and for new expansion. That's by design. And they don't exactly have a lot of lead time on this on this expansion. I would expect the patch to be the Thursday before, which is, what, Thursday the 18th? 18th, And I'd expect yeah. the expansion on Thursday the 25th. That would be my expectation. <sighs> yeah. And that will mean that I will have no time to play Classic, actually. It stays the I'm same. You can sad. play it whenever you want. It stays the same. Yes, Hat. Yes, Hat. But you don't understand. I want to play it when everyone starts playing it, too. I don't want to sit in my room, my office, and, you know, burying myself in content while everybody just enjoys classic. I'm just going to be super jealous. I, I, I think you'll be fine. I, I'm going to live. Probably, but we'll see. Yeah. Just get a couple games of Miracle Rogue in and then go write your article. You'll be fine. The problem is I'll start with two games and then there will be 30. And by the time I realize that I need to do content. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but we'll see. Yes. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you especially to the Vicious Syndicate Gold and Patreon members that support the show and the report and the team. Really appreciate it. A uh, huge thanks to Steven Sensei for intro and outro. That's going to do it for this week on the Data Reaper Podcast. Hope you had a good BlizzCon, and we will talk to you next week. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.